So good morning, church. Uh, open your Bibles to 1 John, the first epistle, the first letter of John, chapter 1. It's a smaller book, kind of towards the back of your Bible. Go to Revelation and then take a left a few pages and you'll find it. So a couple of, uh, a couple of uh, items before we dive off into the Word this morning. Um, first off, we are in the middle of election season, and um, the first few verses of Romans chapter 13 really kind of outline the fact that we as Christians are subject to the ruling authorities. Now, it also says that there's no authority except from God and those that do exist have been instituted by the Lord. That's what Romans 13 says. But we do have an opportunity, at least in this country, to make sure that we have a voice in those authorities that are being instituted and put in place over us. So I want to encourage you to make sure that you, if you haven't already voted, to vote before... Um, Early voting is going on now at the annex down on Pearl Street. This uh, facility at Generations Church is actually one of the polling places when the actual election takes place. So make sure that you do that. Um, I also want to give you an update on um, Pastors Allen and Yvette. I spoke with Pastor Allen this morning there. As, as you all are probably already aware, the reason I'm up here is because I came out of the bullpen because... Pastor Allen went down uh, with COVID. And so Allen and Yvette were diagnosed earlier this past week. Um, they're both doing well, and they just wanted to send their love and their appreciation for everybody that's been checking on them and praying for them and uh, uh, ministering to some of their physical needs during this time. So they're doing well. Um, but we need to pray not only for them, but there are actually several other members of this church that are dealing with COVID right now. We want to pray for them. And we also want to pray for a number of pastors that are in our community that unfortunately are dealing with COVID as well. So let's, let's just bow our heads and let's pray into that, can we? Well, Father, we just thank you for uh, the fact that you are a God of healing and a God of restoration, Lord. And we pray, Father, over all of these that are stricken with COVID, uh, Alan and Yvette and uh, the other members of this church and even the pastors in our community that have unfortunately uh, been diagnosed with this virus, Lord. We ask, Lord, that you would heal them quickly, Father God, that they would be restored without any long-lasting effects, Father, as a matter of fact, that they get off, the, up, off that sick bed, they take up their mats, they walk, Lord, and they step right back into the role that you have called them to in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. So anyway, unfortunately, COVID is still with us. So I want to talk about that a little bit later in this sermon, because we need we need to address some of these things. But first, let's get uh, let's talk about th this passage in First John. It's an amazing passage when I look at it. I mean, amazing. So this this letter, First John, that we're going to look at this morning, um, it's written by John to 
some of the unspecified early churches that existed after the time of Jesus. And a lot of people think that the, the, the letter was written by John when he was in his very later years uh, living in Ephesus. Ephesus was the uh, um, site of the really the first, what we would consider, megachurch. And so we believe that John was there in Ephesus when he wrote this letter. And one of the things that I think about, actually two of the things that I think about when I read John's letters or John's Gospels, you're going to always run into two overarching themes when you look at John's writing except for Revelation. Those two themes are this. John is always going to talk about love. He's always going to preach about love. He's always going to tell you about the love of God. Um, as a matter of fact, he was so emphatic about this that the early church history records that when he was in Ephesus, that the church would have this big meeting because they were a mega church, and they would literally carry old apostle John. I mean, this to, to me kind of is funny. I don't know why I find it funny, but they would carry John out on a chair or on a bench, and they kind of set him out in the middle of the congregation, <laughs> and they say, hey, John, uh, you want to say a few words? And uh, John would say, little children love one another. That's what he would say, little children love one another. And so they would say, okay, John, that's awesome, but every time we kind of set you out here on the chair, you say the same thing. Do you want to say anything else? And he would always respond by saying just simply, this is the Lord's commandment. It is enough. Wow. This is the Lord's commandment. It is enough. So John will always be characterized, his writings will always be characterized by this reflection of, of love that is in there. The other thing that you will always find John writing about um, is he is going to be one of the biggest defenders of the actual divinity of Jesus Christ. Well, it makes really good sense if you think about it. Now, this is the apostle that entitled himself. He said, I'm the apostle that Jesus loved. And you actually find John laying his head against, uh, against Jesus' bosom, according to the New King James Version, Jesus' bosom during the Last Supper. So John... And Jesus were intimately close. John was one of the apostles that, that got a chance to, to be there during the, the transfiguration of Jesus. So he got to see that. Very close to Jesus. There is nobody, no person, probably, I could take, think of maybe two exceptions, that could testify better to the divinity, the godliness, the God nature of Jesus, except for John. So when you see John's writings, you're always going to see him kind of pick up and present, hey, you know, you may hear that Jesus was a good man. You may hear that Jesus was a teacher. You may hear that, that Jesus was a prophet. But John is always going to come at it, and he's going to say, let me tell you who Jesus was. Jesus was God, right? Jesus was God. So that's how John begins the writing that we're going to look at this morning. 
he's defending, he's giving the big apologetic for the divinity of Jesus Christ. So let's take a look at uh, 1 John chapter 1, shall we? We're going to read all the way through it. It's 10 short uh, verses, 10 short verses, but very powerful. And we're going to take them apart after we look at at the entire passage. Read along with me, would you? That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled, concerning the word of life. The life was manifested, and we have seen, and bear witness, and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested to us, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you, that your joy may be full. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and work and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Wow. Wow. What a powerful little compact set of verses this is. I mean, I read it and I'm just blown away. Um, let us look at the, the initial phrase of John's letter to us. He says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our eyes have handled concerning the word of life. Clearly, John is referring here to Jesus, the Messiah. It's clear. And it parallels the way that he opens up his gospel as well. In his gospel, he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You all know that. You know those famous words. And a lot of times we take this passage from 1 John chapter 1 and the passage that we just read out of John's gospel, the opening of John's gospel, and we, we associate it with the very first words in the Bible itself. That is, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? They're all related, but there's really one important difference that if, you, that if I don't point it out, you might kind of miss it. But Genesis refers to a beginning that starts with what? Creation. So 
the beginning is creation in the Genesis account, but John kind of goes a step further when he talks about Jesus. He talks about a beginning that pre-existed the beginning. In other words, the beginning that always was. Not creation itself, but before creation, John is presenting that Jesus was there. And to us, this should make sense because uh, Jesus rightfully describes himself in, in, in Revelation chapter 1. He says, Jesus speaking, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. That's Jesus talking about himself. He was there. The Apostle Paul in uh, Colossians chapter 1 describes the pre-existence of, of Jesus like this. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. Wow. Listen to this. Jesus is eternal. Jesus is eternal. Everybody say that. Jesus is eternal. Amen. Jesus was there before anything was there. As a matter of fact, what Paul, what we just read from the Apostle Paul was that he is the way that all things that we see right now continue to hold together. Isn't that amazing? That's Jesus. Jesus is amazing. So returning to John's letter and, and that first little verse, uh, John reve reveals another very important aspect of Jesus through this. That Jesus was manifested in the flesh in the form of a man. And not only did the Apostle Paul, I'm, I'm sorry, the Apostle Jane, John see Jesus, but he actually touched him. Jesus was touchable. In verse 1 he says, our hands have handled him. Think about that for a minute. Creator God, pre-existent, and John is able to touch him. Jesus was eternal God who stepped out of heaven, and he became a man, all, that, all for really one, one reason, so that fellowship could be restored. Here's how John says it in his letter, and this is a, precisely the reason that this letter was written to each and every one of us. In verse 3, he says, That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So Jesus, get this, Jesus stepped out of heaven, and according to this verse, verse 3, he humbled himself, he came to earth, so that each of us, every one of us, I'm talking about every one of us that are sitting here, and everybody 
could have fellowship with, number one, we could have fellowship with each other. Our fellowship with each other is a function of the fact that Jesus came to restore fellowship. Number two, he came and he stepped out of heaven so that each and every one of us could have fellowship with the Father. Thank you, Lord. And then he stepped out of heaven so that he himself could have fellowship with us. Isn't that amazing? He's all about the fellowship. He's all about the restoration of, of, of the fellowship that, uh, that we really was, was lost in the, in, the, in the garden. But do you remember those, um, remember those commercials back in the old days, you know, where you would watch on TV, uh, maybe I'm dating myself, I probably am, but you'd watch on TV and, and, and the, the commercial would go, and if you order now, you can have this and this and this, but, and if you order now, in the next 10 minutes, you can have three of these. And then the last thing that they would do, just because you weren't convinced yet, you're getting ready to make the call, is they would say, but wait, there's more. Remember that? <laughs> but wait, there's more. This is how the kingdom of God is, but there's always a but wait, there's more. God is so good. So in verse 4 of this letter, um, the apostle John describes the more that is available to each and every one of us. He says, John says, I write these things to you so that your joy may be full. So not only do we get to have relationship with each other, and we get to have relationship with God the Father, and we get to have relationship with Jesus, but we get to have fullness of joy. And this is really reflective of, of what Jesus promised in John's gospel. If you look at, and you, we're not going to, you don't need to turn there, but in John's gospel chapter 15 and 16, this is what Jesus promises us. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. And in, in chapter 16, Jesus says, until now you have asked nothing in my name, ask and you shall receive, that your joy may be full. So, friends, do you see a theme here? As followers of Christ, not only do we get to have this restored relationship that, uh, that Jesus came to bring, but we also get to be filled with the joy of the Lord. As a matter of fact, we should be filled with the joy of the Lord all the time. This should be one of our greatest testimonies right here that people notice that what is going on with you? You're filled with the joy of the Lord. Nothing gets under your skin. You're able to like, yeah, we're good. We're good. God is good. And people should literally be asking you about what is it that's different about you? Why do you, why do you have that joy? It's a perfect setup. Well, I have the joy because, hey, I have Jesus. And then you can testify, off to the races. Others should see and cherish the joy that we are filled with. So, going on deeper into the, um, 
into the passage today, there is not a, these last, what would it be, six verses, yeah, six verses of this little chapter, I don't know of any place in, in, in the word of the Lord that really does such a great job of preaching the gospel as these six verses So I want to get into that today because a lot of times we don't look at um, this epistle as a gospel epistle, but it truly is. So let's take a look at it as we look at these last six verses. The first point that I want to make is that in verse 5 it says, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. The point is that God is holy. God cannot sin, right? In him is no darkness at all. So we know that we have a holy God. Now, John did not write this gospel message in a linear way, so we're going to skip around a little bit here. But if you think about how the Hebrew mind works, a lot of times the Hebrew mind will work holistically. In other words, they will take the entire package and examine it. And this is how this gospel message is written by the Apostle John. So we'll skip down to verses 8 and verses 10, verse 10. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. And verse 10 says, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. People sin. People sin. So this is what these two verses are telling us. Verse 6, it says, If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Believers, once we take on the, the, once we receive Jesus, we can no longer choose to walk in willful sin, brothers and sisters. We can't do it. We have to walk away from that. Now, there's a lot, and, and I don't want to go too far down this road because it wouldn't be right, but um, there are a lot of denominations. Um, there are congregations that are actually beginning to embrace what the Word tells us is true sin. Um, I don't know how that works. I mean, this Word here would tell us that that is, that is counterintuitive, it's, it's, it's contradictory by its very nature. When we become believers, we want to walk away from any willful sin that we're committing. We don't sit there and dwell in it, and we certainly don't accept it. Not for ourselves. So we need to be careful with this, brothers and sisters. As a matter of fact, sin is so serious that later on in, in, in John's epistle, in chapter 3 of this same letter, he says, whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. So sin is a serious issue, and it's something that we don't want to dwell in. Are we going to boo-boo? Well, John addresses that here in just a minute. In verse 7, John says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, We have fellowship with one another. So as believers, we are to walk with our Lord 
that we are to walk with one another as well. Verse 7 goes on to say, The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So praise God, there's a remedy for sin. What is that remedy? The blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. And then verse 9, what a tremendous promise this contains. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. He, Jesus, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Brothers and sisters, even if we do sin, we have a way to be made clean. Amen. There's a way out. Aren't you glad, aren't you glad about that? Yeah, somebody says, needs to say amen. I certainly do. <laughs> um, so um, through this word, what we see is that, that Jesus has provided us not only with a way of, of being restored to fellowship with each other and with him and with God the Father, but he is, he's provided us with a path of, of restoration and, and relationship and righteousness and forgiveness. And really, if you think about th all of those things, that's one of the reasons that we ought to be filled with joy. I mean, you know, the alternative is pretty bad. So, I mean, I, 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 I'm just amazed when I think about what um, God has done for, for me, and you should be amazed about when you think about what God has done for you. It's amazing. So I want to kind of depart from this word just a little bit now that we've talked about it. Um, and, and apply this, make a practical application of this word about where we're at right now. Um, seven, yeah, seven months, golly, it's hard to believe. Seven months and one week ago today, I had a chance to speak from this very platform to all of you, and um, that was the last live and in-person service that we were able to hold just before the, the event that we call the lockdown. Remember right after that, then, man, this whole COVID thing kind of got crazy. It really did. I mean, churches had to shut down. And, and I don't think at, at that point that any of us at all knew exactly what we were facing. We really didn't. I mean, we were kind of going along because, hey, we knew that there was something big at work, but certainly we didn't know exactly what it was. So we locked down. Remember that? And, and, and it was a pretty hard lockdown, even here in Texas. Um, a few weeks into the lockdown, I mean, we were still at that point of trying to understand what we're dealing with in regards to this COVID thing. And so you'll remember that at the start of this year, 2020, we had a great start here at the church. We had Pastor Dan Moeller come, and, and he held a conference, and we were all encouraged and mightily blessed. This, this place was packed out to overflowing. As a matter of fact, we had people back there in the foyer and people that couldn't get in because 
of the message that Pastor Dan was bringing. So a few weeks into the lockdown, I, I just wanted to check with Pastor Dan, and he and I talked from time to time. So I called him. I said, hey, Dan, how's things going? He says, you know, and I'm thinking, man, I am going to get some, I'm going to get some, like, direct God insight from Pastor Dan because he's so plugged in, right? He says, hey, man, Greg, how you doing? I said, hey, brother, we're locked down. We're not having live church. We're not, you know, we're all kind of scattered out here, the whole body. He says, yeah, I know. He says, I'm locked down too. I said, no, come on. You're locked down? He said, yeah, I'm locked down. I said, well, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm at the house in Pennsylvania, and I'm not traveling. I, I don't have any place to speak, you know. They want me to talk into a camera, and, man, I can't even do that. <laughs> so I said, well, what do you think? What do you think? And he said, well, um, I think that maybe this is a good time for people to really get involved and work on their own relationship with Jesus. He says, I think, I think that that's what's going on here, Greg. I said, yeah, I think that that's right. And what he was not saying is that he's not saying that it's not good for us to gather and fellowship like we're doing this morning. That's not what he was saying at all. But what he was trying to communicate was this is a good time for each of us as individuals to make sure that we're taking the time to, to strengthen, either establish, and uh, if it's already established, to strengthen the relationship, the individual relationship that we had with Christ Jesus. Get to know him better. Literally, in the words of John's uh, vernacular, to lay against his bosom and to really understand what, who Jesus is. So he felt, Pastor Dan felt like that that whole lockdown period was really a good opportunity for each of us to do exactly that. And I think that he's right. Um, effectively, what he was saying is, is what we encounter with the story of Joseph in Genesis chapter 50, where uh, Joseph says, well, what the enemy meant for harm and for evil we turned and allowed God to work it for good. So I think that we need to kind of keep that at the forefront of our minds as we, as we consider how we've responded to this whole COVID mess. You need to make sure that you're continuing to press in as an individual to what God has for you, what Jesus wants to speak to you about, what the Holy Spirit wants to reveal to you and to press in to those things that maybe he wants to deal with you on. Good time to do that. So we don't count on, I mean, we have a great church here. I love it. But we don't want to count on the church or any one individual to be the key for our own very own, our own walk with the Lord God. Amen? Amen. Wow. So then, things progressed even further. Oh, man. 
I can't even believe that it's seven months. I can't. I can't believe it when I look back on it. It's like it's been an eternity, right? And um, I'm going to tell you, church, that I believe that during that progression of, of this entire mess that we call COVID, that it became clear that there were several things that were not of God that came with this virus. Several things. And this would actually make sense if you just think about the nature of the virus. The nature of the virus is that it is an enemy of each of us. So I began to see three spirits that I felt like were in operation through all of this. And, and I don't look, I'm going to tell you that I don't look for spirits everywhere. I don't look for, I don't turn over rocks to, to look for things because we don't have to if we keep our eyes focused on Jesus. But it's pretty obvious that there were three things that were at work here that were spiritual that were not of God. Um, the spirit of confusion, and that was evidenced by the fact that if it was Monday, we were being told one thing about how to handle the virus. And then on Tuesday from the same organization, we were being told something else about how to deal with the virus. And I could even see it in conversations that, and maybe you, you could see this as well, that conversations that we would have with, like business conversations, you had to take that extra step to make sure that you were being clear and communicating clearly because there was just this spirit of confusion that seemed to be ruling, you know, kind of at work over, I think, probably the entire world. So we had to be extra careful in regards to that. And then there was this spirit of deception that was at work and I think really continues to work. I'm going to tell you with, if you're, and I don't keep track of uh, politics that closely, but, and we, we know that politicians have a tendency to really stretch the tr truth, but I think that really what is going on right now has gotten com so completely out of hand that we, we, it's the likes of things that we have never seen before, the spirit of deception and the ability for people to sit there and look at you or you and straight up lie their guts out. What the heck is going on? This is a spirit. And it makes sense here again. You know, Jesus said in, in um, he was telling the disciples in, in John's Gospel, chapter 8, he said, no, he was telling the Pharisees, um, you are of your father the devil, and he is the liar. He is the father of all lies, and in him is no truth. So I think that there is a spirit at work there that is the spirit of deception that we as believers need to be aware of and to, to guard against. And then finally, and this is, this is one that breaks my heart, but I'm, I know that this one is at work here. Um, it's the spirit of division. And it seems like um, not only has the spirit of division um, descended upon our nation, but the entire world, but we see that spirit of division where, you know, used to we could, if we, if we wanted to have an argument one with the other, you know, I mean, I could be a Cowboys fan and you could be an Eagles fan, or I could like uh, uh, ranch dressing and you could like Italian dressing, you know, and 
we'd argue a little bit about it and go on down the road. But now everybody is put into this box and it's like there's no coming back. And we even see this at work in the, the body of Christ as well. And my, my friends, this should not be so. There should be no division within this body. Now, people can make different choices about how they handle this COVID virus, okay? But it's a lot like the whole concept, the Christian concept of sanctification. You let that person walk out what God has called them to walk out, and you focus on your walk, you focus on your stuff, and let's not get into these petty arguments about how we handle things. Amen? Jesus is still on the throne. Jesus still rules and reigns. And I don't care if, if uh, how bad this gets, no matter what, Jesus will still be there and he will still be uh, King of kings and Lord of lords. So we need to really deal with these things that are meant for harm and, and evil in the same way. What we need to do is we need to see that the, these spirits are at work here um, and turn them in a way that, that God can use them for good, okay? So here's what I would say. If confusion reigns, we are going to walk in his peace. We're going to turn and we're going to look at him who is eternal and steadfast and is always on the throne, and we are going to be assured that he is there and he is indeed the anchor of our souls, no matter how much confusion is going on. If lies and deceit rule in the world, what we're going to do is we're going to turn away from that and we're going we're to turn to this truth, his truth, and we're going to declare that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. When we see lies and deceit, turn away from that and head for Jesus. He is the truth. He's, he's eternal truth. And if division is sown, we love. We're going to love. Little children, love one another. It is the Lord's commandment. It is enough. Little children, love one another. So we put away this division that, that wants to come into this world that has been introduced, I think, through this virus, we put it away by loving each other and loving others. Amen? Amen. Chris, I'm going to go ahead and ask you to come up here now and start. You guys, the entire worship team. And Chris, if you could just play, play in the background a little bit. So COVID, the virus, is unfortunately real. <clears throat> it's made itself manifest 
in the lives of a, uh, in the bodies of a lot of people that we know, including Pastor Allen and Yvette right now. And they do have symptoms, so we need to continue to pray for them. But that's the physical. That's the physical. What came with COVID spiritually is something that we can deal with. Matter of fact, we may, I, I don't know, we may never have, we may never get a vaccine for, for COVID. Don't know the answer to the question. But even if we never get the vaccine for COVID, it doesn't matter because we have a spiritual vaccine. That spiritual vaccine came into the world 2,000 years ago. And his name is Jesus. And so the things that we are dealing with spiritually, we need to turn to him. Um, in 1922, a lady named Helen Lamel uh, wrote a hymn. And when I was a little guy growing up in the, the Baptist church, um, we used to sing this hymn all the time. And this is what the refrain said. I love this. I love this hymn. It says, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. Amen. So given what we've been walking through, church, um, and those that are listening online, we actually have a pretty big online presence, I guess. Um, I do want to go ahead and issue uh, an invitation before we sing this song. And um, I just want to cover a few things in this invitation. I'm not going to make you get up or even leave your chairs. Matter of fact, I want everybody to bow their heads. And then we're going to, we're going to pray over some of the things that we heard about this morning and talked about. So, one of the things that we covered, every head bowed and every eye is now closed. Um, one of the things that we covered is the fact that um, we need a Savior. Those little six verses that, that uh, John penned are the gospel message succinctly stated. We sin, but Jesus died to take, a, take that away and to restore us to relationship and righteousness. So if you've never, ever declared that, hey, you need a Savior, and that Savior is Jesus, then I just want you to raise your hand real quickly and put it right back down. Okay? Praise God. All right? So if you have found yourself through all of this COVID mess, keep your head down and your eyes closed. Um, if you found yourself in, in all of this COVID mess and you found yourself really becoming to, you know, becoming angry through all of this, um, or you know that it's really impacted the relationship that you have with Jesus, I just want you to stick your hand up real quickly and put it down because we're going to pray into that. Okay? All right. 
Oh, people are putting their hands up. And if, if you want to be able to walk once again in that peace and that joy that you know that Jesus came to bring you, you know that it's not the way that it used to be, but you want that back again, I just ask you to put your hand up real quickly and put it right back down. Wow. A lot of hands. All right. You can go ahead. Look up here. So, a lot of people are in that boat. Let's pray. Let's pray over that situation. Well, Father, I just thank you for your people, Lord. I thank you for the truth of your word, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, that, that you hear the cry and the, and the heartfelt petition on the part of all these people that raise their hand, Lord. I thank you, Father God, that you are indeed a God of relationship and a God of restoration. I pray for everybody that raised their hand, Lord. I ask that you would draw near to them as they turn and face you, Father. I thank you, Lord God, that they no longer will be distracted by the cares of the world or by um, this COVID mess and all the news that seems to keep flooding in. I thank you, Lord God, that distraction is put away right now in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord God, that you approach these people, and myself included, Father, and, and uh, that you relate to us, that you speak to us in a way that we've never, ever experienced before because you are the one that is faithful, Lord. I ask that you bless these people, Lord. Bring them into unity, Father. Bring them into fellowship one with the other. Give them hearts to forgive each other, Father, and to be able to relate, even if there are differences, Father God, but to still be able to relate because you are common to all of us and we have your heart, Lord. I just give you praise for this opportunity to to be here this morning, Lord. We thank you, Father, for all that you do for us. In Jesus' name, amen.